find uh, Genesis 30. If you're with us new tonight for the first time, we are journeying through the book of Genesis. Looked at sort of a sad and a humorous passage last week when Leah and Rachel kept passing off their handmaids to Jacob, desperate to have children. Uh, But this week we want to begin in verse 25 looking at the theme, the tricksters go their separate ways. The tricksters go their separate ways. And we will uh, begin reading in verse 25 of chapter 30. And the Lord willing, we will close out chapter 31 also tonight. Initially what I want to do is read down through verse 30 right now. And then pick up in verse 31 uh, later on in the context of the message. Uh, Verse 25 of chapter 30 says, As soon as Rachel had born Joseph... Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom whom I have served you that I may go. For you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I found favor in your sight, uh, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? Now, as we read this passage tonight, I want us to go back in our Bibles to that period of time in Jacob's life where he had that experience with God at Bethel. So I want you to turn with me back to chapter 28. And Randy, I'm going to ask you to back off of this mic a little bit. Are you still up there? I guess not. Or maybe he's fallen asleep. Seems a little loud to me. But anyway, go back to chapter 28 and uh, look with me at verse 16. Then uh, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, a full tenth will I return uh, unto you. And so we see that God has indeed blessed Jacob abundantly. In fact, 
God has blessed Jacob far more than Jacob could have even imagined. And that certainly reminds me of Paul's words in Ephesians 3.20. That God is able to exceedingly abundantly do above and beyond anything we could ask or think. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen? And he has certainly blessed Jacob. Jacob now has 12 sons and a daughter. He has great flocks. He has camels, as we will see in chapter 31. Now, camels, or commentators rather, mention how camels did not become more available to the common man for about another probably 1,500 years. That by this time right here that's being recorded in chapters 30 and 31, only the very wealthy had camels. It was kind of like having a parking lot full of Cadillacs. Okay? So, I mean, he's got 12 sons, a daughter, great flocks, even camels. God has blessed him abundantly. Now, Laban, we're going to see, is a very selfish man. As we're going to see later in chapter 31, Laban still thinks it all belongs to him. And we'll see that later tonight. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Go back to verses 25 and 26 of chapter 30. And the first thing I want you to see with me tonight is the importance of service and work. Back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see that God established work. Work is good. Now the fall of man that took place in Genesis chapter 3 has made work a burden at times. But folks, let's remember God created man to work. We're not to be lazy. God has created us to be productive. Jacob has done so. He's worked hard. The Protestant reformers as well as the Puritans after them emphasized what we now refer to as the Protestant work ethic. You've heard that phrase, right? The Protestant work ethic. They believed that hard work joined with good stewardship was an indicator of being among God's elect. That you are God's child who has enjoyed the benefits of regeneration. Now, hard work and good stewardship weren't the only signs of conversion, but they did believe that was certainly one of the signs of conversion. Jacob has worked hard. Again, in his work, he has served a hard man. Laban was a trickster, just like Jacob. He's not been a good father-in-law to Jacob. He has changed Jacob's wages ten times, as we'll learn later in the, narr- in the narrative. But Jacob has continued to serve him well. Now, Jacob is a lesson for us in this, not only in his hard work, but in the fact that he has worked hard for a selfish and a conniving man. 
A Christian man today working for an unbeliever can learn some powerful lessons from Jacob. Jacob served Laban. Now folks, don't let that run by you too quickly. He has worked hard and served a man who did not deserve it and a man who was not kind in return. Christians today who demand everything their way from their boss and who whine and complain about everything all the time do not adorn the gospel very well. You know, Paul spoke to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 about the fact that we are to adorn the gospel. And he said, as we adorn the gospel, we are, we are an aroma of life to those who are being saved. And we are an aroma of death to those who are lost and reject the gospel. We're either an aroma of life or an aroma of death. But Paul said, either way, we're an aroma and we're to live in such a way that we adorn the gospel. Christians who are childish and demanding and selfish and whining don't adorn the gospel very well. Now, folks, I'm not saying that if a Christian today works in a cruel or unjust environment that he shouldn't do anything to change it. With the way laws are today, a Christian can do a lot to improve Working conditions, but I'm just saying, watch your attitude. Watch your attitude at work for those who you work for, even if they're not believers. Try to adorn the gospel well. And Jacob is a man who did that. Now, secondly, tonight, I want you to see that blessing comes from the Lord. We see that beginning in verse 27. Laban recognized that Jacob's Uh, That Jacob's God, Yahweh, has blessed him through Jacob. So here's a pagan man, Laban. And he recognizes the fact that it's Jacob's God that has blessed him. And Jacob's God has blessed him through Jacob's work. Now, we're not told exactly how Laban has learned through divination. We're told in the text that God has blessed him. What is meant by divination here is not explained. We know that Laban is a pagan man with pagan idols, but somehow it's been revealed to him. It could even mean that through something like witchcraft, this has been revealed to Laban. Now, folks, Christians are never to turn to things like witchcraft or modern-day soothsayers to try to learn truth. But at times in Scripture, even though God's people were never to do anything like that, something true could be learned through those means. Can you think of a case in point? Okay. You're on the right target. Who was it that he consulted? The witch of Endor. Exactly. Like I say, we're never to do that. But at times in Scripture, even through an ungodly means like that, 
a person would learn something true. Whatever means it was, though, Laban has learned that he is a blessed man because of Jacob's God and God working through Jacob in his household. Theologians refer to this as common grace. What is common grace? Does anybody know what common grace is? Exactly. Remember what Jesus said? Yes, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. God sends his rain and his sunshine on the just and the unjust both. God oftentimes blesses unbelievers. Now, folks, we know that all blessings come from the Lord. James 1.17 tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. So if there's anything good in anybody's life, whether they are a believer or not, it's because of God. Even in the book of Acts, what do we see? We see that it was the Lord who added to his church. Yes, the early church worked hard. They evangelized their neighbors. But it was the Lord who blessed the church and added to them. Blessing and increase is always a gift from God. Now, blessing from God also increases our accountability. We will have to give an account for everything that God gives us. Unbelievers who have been blessed by God will face a greater judgment. And Christians had better learn to be good stewards of what God has blessed them with because they will face accountability over that as well. But it is God who gives and it is God who takes away. Remember what Job said about this in Job chapter 1? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Exactly. Now, notice also that while previously Jacob stated in verse 26 that he had worked hard and served Laban well, Jacob too, in verse 30, recognizes that the increase that Laban has isn't simply because Jacob himself has been a good worker. But Jacob also realizes that it's only because of the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 30. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. So previous to that in verse 26, he says, You know the service that I've given to you and all the increase that you've experienced because I've served you well. And here he's saying, The Lord has blessed you. So yes, he worked hard for Laban. But he recognizes also that God is the one who gets the credit. So the lesson here is work hard and serve others, but realize that increase comes from the Lord. 
Don't take credit for good. Give God the glory. Christians should always live with the doxology on their lips. Amen? Thirdly, I want you to see a new plan is executed. A new plan is executed. Pick up reading with me in verse 31. He said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you, if you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages." So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the, pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, camels and donkeys. Jacob comes up with a plan that has no science at all behind it. He's operating here out of some of the superstition of the day. Now, lest you think that this whole episode sounds strange and far removed from modern times, I've known of some old-timers in my lifetime who did not believe that a pregnant woman should look upon someone who was deformed or retarded during her pregnancy because they believed that if she did, she would quote-unquote mark her baby. Have you ever heard that? I know, of a, I know of a senior adult woman when Connie was pregnant with Melinda. 
She warned her she better not look at any baby that was retarded or deformed in any way because if she did, Melinda would be marked. So even in America, by the 20th and 21st centuries, you'll find this superstition. It's a plan where Laban is given the upper hand because the speckled animals would have been more of a genetic rarity. And so Jacob is actually proposing a plan that is an uphill way for him and Laban is going to have the advantage Laban jumps at the deal. He's probably thinking to himself, my son-in-law is dumber even than I thought he was. So sure, Laban agrees to this plan quickly. While he buys into the plan, he doesn't trust Jacob to execute the plan. What's he do? He turns the management of the plan over to his own sons. Jacob had asked to be in charge of it, but Laban turns the management over to his own sons. And on top of that, what else does Laban do? Laban separates his flocks three days' journey away from Jacob's. He doesn't want Jacob to have any opportunity of raiding his flock. And so Laban is distrusting Jacob at every turn. Well, what happens? Jacob's flocks increase. But folks, not because of the sticks. But because of the Lord's blessing. What did we say earlier? Increase is from who? It's from the Lord. Jacob confesses this over in verse 9 of chapter 31. Look over there with me. Jump forward to verse 9 of chapter 31. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And then also look at what God himself states in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 31. God said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and um, motled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. And so yes... Jacob's flocks have increased. And God has caused them to be born according to the color pattern that Jacob specified. It wasn't the sticks. It was God that gave Jacob the increase. Jacob recognizes that and God states it to be so. Again... The sticks had nothing to do with it. It was a superstition of the time. Well, fourthly, God tells Jacob to return home. Pick up reading in verse 1 of chapter 31. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying... Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. 
And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was, and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Jacob is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him what he in, that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with myrrh and songs with tambourine and lyre? Yeah, right. And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad, and now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, 
because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched but did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt all through my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. And I've not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was by day, the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I've been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you've changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Shahadutha, but Jacob called it uh, Gelid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, he named it Gelid and Mizpah. For he said, the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters or if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father judged between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. 
God tells Jacob to return home. It's time for Jacob to leave the pagan land where he's been living and working. Now the purpose is twofold. First, we can assume God is getting Jacob out from underneath pagan men, namely Laban and Laban's sons. God has worked for these men long enough. And so God, on the one hand, is sparing Jacob from further hurt. But mainly, what is at stake here is the covenant that God had made with Abraham. Folks, in that covenant, what was involved? The land of Israel. Jacob needed to get back home. He needed to get back to the land of promise where God had taken Abraham. God's long-range intent is to build a people in a new land and through that people the Messiah would come into the world through whom the entire world would be blessed. God's plan was not for Jacob and Jacob's descendants to continue to work for Laban and Laban's descendants and to build Laban's fortunes, but God was wanting to do something unique through Jacob who would be renamed Israel. So what God is doing by getting Jacob back to Bethel is blessing Jacob which is true enough, but God's plan is much, much bigger than that. Folks, God is advancing the very storyline of redemption. Don't miss that. When Laban catches up with Jacob, he pours it on thick. You know, I would have sent you away. We would have had great party. No, in all likelihood, Laban and Laban's sons would have brought some kind of harm on Jacob. Had it not been for God warning Laban in verse 24, Laban would have still brought harm to Jacob in all likelihood. And so Jacob's fears over Laban were well-founded. And so after God's warned him not to hurt Jacob, Laban's attention is turned to his false gods, his idols. Okay, I see that you're gone now. I can't stop you. But why in the world did you have to take my idols? Now, Rachel has taken those probably out of revenge. Let me explain. In her revenge... There's probably a little bit of leftover paganism in her too that hasn't 100% been worked out of her life yet. In all likelihood, by taking her dad's idols, she is wanting to remove any thought that the gods represented by those idols might bless her father in any way. She doesn't want her father blessed. It's a vindictive act. 
Her dad has cheated her husband, and because he's cheated her husband, by extension, her dad has also cheated her and her children. Plus, it's vindictiveness because Laban had given her sister Leah to Jacob in the first place through trickery. So by taking Laban's idols, she's trying to get even. Like I say, it's not that she's just trying to take something valuable of her dad's. She's thinking she's going to remove any avenue of blessing that these idols might bring upon her dad. Chapter 31 closes with Jacob and Laban making a covenant together in front of witnesses. Now sadly, as verse 43 points out, Laban still thinks that everything that Jacob has is his. Laban is still a very selfish man. But they, they make a covenant not to cross over this barrier that they erect, not to cross over with the intent of harming one another. Now the only sad thing here about Laban is he kisses his daughters and grandchildren goodbye. Perhaps he never sees them again. That's really the only sympathy that I can muster for Laban. Otherwise, we're ready to say goodbye to Laban. He's gotten what he deserves. Right? He's a scoundrel of a man. So other than having to kiss his grandchildren goodbye, it's really hard to feel sorry for him about anything else. As we bring tonight's passage to a close, I want you to focus on something that we will see again and something that you and I will also experience right along with Jacob. God blesses Jacob in a foreign land among pagans. God will do it again in Egypt. The more Pharaoh and the Egyptians persecute the Hebrews, the more God blesses and prospers the sons of Jacob. Folks, God is able to look after those who are His. He looked after Jacob. He will look after Joseph despite all the persecution and the hardship that Joseph will will face. God prospers Joseph just like he did here with Jacob. I think also about Daniel later on in Babylon, in the Babylonian captivity. How God prospers him to the point that Nebuchadnezzar realizes it. And Nebuchadnezzar elevates Daniel to prime minister of the land. Likewise, the more the religious leaders turned on Jesus, God blessed his son. And finally, we see in the book of Acts, the more the authorities and the unbelievers persecuted the church, God added to the church. 
Again, the Lord knows those who are His, and He is well able to look after His children even when His children dwell in a hostile environment. Folks, we need to learn from that today. We shouldn't demand or expect that the world is going to bless us. It's not going to. The world's going to hate us. In many places in the world, the church today is experiencing persecution. But don't dismiss the church. When I say the church, I mean those in the church who are truly God's children. God knows how to watch over His children and bless His children. God's purposes are not going to be undone by the ungodly. And you can put that down. It's God's promise. As Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, God knows those who are His. We're always going to live in a hostile environment. This side of the coming of the Lord, we're always going to live in a hostile environment and we're going to be the minority But God can do amazing things in the hearts of His people, in the lives of His people, even when they're up against every obstacle in the world that they could be up against. Every enemy in the world that we could be up against. God can bless and build His church in spite of our circumstances. Amen? God is faithful. God's purposes march on, and they always will. And one of, this, one of these days, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, we just hit the high spots tonight, especially in chapter 31.